This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering my amazing listeners a free audiobook and two Audible originals with a 30-day free trial membership. Just head to audibletrial.com slash theropetalkpodcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title and two Audible originals completely free of charge and start listening. It's that easy. The best part is that you can cancel your trial anytime. No commitments necessary. Go to audibletrial.com slash theropetalkpodcast. Happy reading! Podcast, and of course on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search the Rope Talk Wrestling Podcast on both streaming services to listen to episodes and download them too. Take the show with you on the go. Now before we begin this episode, I wanted to wish you all a very happy summer. The new season has begun earlier this week, and as most of you are, I'm very excited to kick off summer this year. Take a break, relax, and enjoy your summer season. With that out of the way, Let's begin. Today we'll be talking about AEW Wrestling's latest pay-per-view selling out in 15 minutes and what this may mean for WWE, Seth Rollins and what he had to say in response to what Dean Ambrose, now known as John Moxley, said about WWE, Vince McMahon, and the creative team, and we'll be reviewing and going over the results of each of the matches at Stomping Grounds, which of course took place last Sunday. Oh wait, we're also discussing the women's roster and what's going on with it, because let's face it, there's a lot of bad things happening to this women's roster right now. Since we're discussing four topics in one episode, this will of course be a longer episode. Without further talk, let's get started. Kicking off this episode with the topic of AEW wrestling. We normally don't discuss AEW on the show, but quite a lot has happened in the past couple of days. AEW's upcoming pay-per-view, All Out, has sold out in 15 minutes. Now, I did not attend or watch Double or Nothing, which happened about a month ago, but I heard that it was amazing. Not only did John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose as part of The Shield when he was still at WWE, made his debut at AEW's first ever pay-per-view, but as discussed in a previous episode, this definitely sparked a lot of conversation throughout social media. But that's a whole other story that was discussed in a previous episode, so listen to that if you haven't already. But getting back to All Out and how it sold All Out, (laughs) you get it, in 15 minutes. This means so much for AEW because this is only their second ever pay-per-view. Looks like people really enjoyed the first one. Now, since they sold out in 15 minutes, WWE has quite a lot on their plate right now. And I also wanted to add that apparently the tickets for WWE's pay-per-view stomping grounds didn't sell that well at all. 
They obviously didn't sell out the arena like AEW did, and it was even reported that WWE was giving the people in the arena that night free seat upgrades so they can film the crowd. This just shows how, might I say, desperate WWE has been getting for making their shows look good to the viewers and critics. And if that report is true, then there isn't much to talk about in terms of what WWE has to do. Um, because there's just so much that they have to fix, and maybe we can fill out an episode in the near future just dedicated to that, but not for this week. Um, This week we have some fun stuff planned in in terms of the rope talk, but basically, I'm pretty happy for AEW. Um, They're a new company, of course, and I'm pretty happy that they're getting some recognition, especially the talent on there. However, with their new rival comes new challenges. That means that WWE really has to step up their game and give us, the WWE Universe, what we want. And needless to say, that's a lot to ask for. We'll tackle one of the things that the WWE Universe wants in this episode as well. So staying on relatively the same topic... Ish, <laughs> we're moving on to what Seth Rollins, current Universal Champion, as we all know, had to say in response to what Dean Ambrose said about WWE on Talk is Jericho. Seth had some things to say on his very own podcast, which, if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it because it's great and very entertaining. But, anyways, not only was he talking about Becky Lynch and his relationship with her, but he also had some things to say in response to what Dean Ambrose said on Talk is Jericho a while ago. Remember that episode where he was completely bashing Vince McMahon and the whole creative team on WWE? Yeah, that episode. (laughs) Basically, Rollins was just saying a response to that whole thing, and the quote that I'm about to read is directly from Pro Wrestling Sheet, another Wrestling Report account. This is what Rollins had to say. And like I said, I love the guy. I love him. I'll always love him. But at the end of the day, we just share different perspectives about what we want out of life and about where we're at in our own lives. I hope that he does well. I've kept enough tabs on him to know that he's doing super well for himself right now, and I'm happy for that. But I just don't think there's any reason to hop on a soapbox and complain after the fact. You need to take the first step, and that's looking in the mirror and asking yourself, did you do every single thing you possibly could to make yourself and the situation what you want it to be? And if the answer is, yes, you did, then you can go elsewhere and complain. If that's where he's at mentally, then go right ahead. But if he hasn't done that, he hasn't looked in the mirror and made that decision, then maybe he should think about that. And that goes for any other disgruntled talent, past or present. Okay, so that was kind of a lot. But before we actually go in-depth with this, I wanted to add in that Rollins got quite a lot of backlash for saying these words, Um, And a lot of people actually deemed him as a traitor for saying these things about his own friend. But here's what I have to say about this. And of course, if you agree, that's great. If you disagree, then please respect my opinion, at least. Thank you very much. Um, But I believe that he didn't didn't say anything that was downright rude. In my opinion, he, he wasn't saying anything that was disrespectful, unfair, or anything like that. He said one thing and one thing only. Look in the mirror and ask yourself if you did everything you could have done to make the situation any better. That's basically all he said. Now, to me, there's nothing wrong with saying that. And if he had praised and commended Dean for his comments, then he would have 
probably not have gotten fired, but he would be in a very bad position with WWE. And he is one of the top stars alongside Becky Lynch, so WWE doesn't even want him to say anything bad about the company. Because if the top star of a company completely bashes the company that they work for, they would probably get, you know, a very strong verbal warning, and maybe even they would get fired, but I don't think Seth would have gotten fired in this case, but that could have been a possibility. Um, with that being said, I will repeat that I personally didn't think that what he said was all that bad. However, I understand where other people are coming from when they say that it was wrong of him to bash his friend. I get it. I can understand their points of view and opinion, but given the circumstance, WWE is already in a harsh and challenging position right now. You know, you have you have to count their ratings and reviews plummeting down, and all this AEW stuff, it's all putting a toll on the final product. So, had Seth said something that made WWE seem worse or bad, the company would have gone down even faster, because that's two people now saying bad things about WWE. And on top of that, Seth probably would have gotten, you know... A good punishment for that. And by good punishment, I mean like a big punishment. If not getting fired, then just something really big um, would happen to him in a bad way, of course. So with that being said, I think it's safe to kind of end this topic by saying that you have to look at every single story with an open mind. You have to be willing to see things from other people's perspectives as well as your own. So, if you only have one um, opinion on what he said in that episode, I get it, I respect that, but try to look at it from another point of view if you can, because it really, it's not going to hurt you, and it's not that bad. And, actually, one last thing before we move on, I wanted to say that, in my opinion, what he said there, in response to Dean, it was more of like a um, piece of advice to Dean Ambrose, because he was literally saying, like, quote, I'm going to quote this, he basically said, um, if he hasn't done that, he hasn't looked in the mirror and made that decision, then maybe he should think about that. So he's really just giving his friend advice, saying that, hey, you need to think twice about what you're saying, because some people might not agree with you, some people might agree with you, you know? With that being said, for me personally, that kind of sounded like advice to his friend. So I wouldn't really say that was him being rude and bashing his friend at all. I would just say that he was mainly just helping his friend, giving him advice. But honestly, I want to know what you guys think. If you want to, <laughs> you're not forced to. You're not forced to. But tweet me at WWE the man Becky, no spaces or capitals. What do you guys think about this? You know, do do you think that he's in the wrong? Or do you think that he was just giving some advice? He was in the right by saying this. Let me know, because I really want to get your opinion. But next in line, we have the results of WWE Stomping Grounds, which, of course, was the pay-per-view that took place on Sunday. If you didn't know, I was even live-tweeting it on my Twitter account, so if you haven't already, go ahead and follow my Twitter, at WWETheManBecky. No spaces or capitals. By the way, that is also my Instagram, if you're wanting to follow. But... Go ahead and follow those accounts for more WWE content. So all of these results are directly from CBS Sports, so a huge thank you goes out to them. <clears throat> that does mean that everything that I'm saying in terms of stomping grounds um, is from CBS Sports, other than a couple side notes here and there. So we're starting off with the Cruiserweight Championship match with Drew Gulak versus Akira Tozawa versus Tony Nese. 
Drew Gulak defeated both Akira and Tony to win the title. The in-ring chemistry between the three performers was off the charts as the high-flying and stiff style of Nice and Tozawa meshed perfectly with Gulak's power game to produce a thrilling spot fest featuring a handful of well-timed saves. The pace was off the charts, and the high spots were extremely memorable, including a senton off the top rope from Tozawa that broke up Gulak's submission attempt on Nice. The finish came after Nice was sent outside of the ring, and Gulak landed a torture rack neckbreaker on Tozawa for the 1 2 3. So, really, I'm going to grade this match a 8.5 out of 10. It was a great match. For me, I'm giving it an 8.5 because I don't watch NXT and I don't watch 205 Live, so I didn't know who these men were. Um, but even if, even because I didn't know who these men were, we got a good taste of what they're capable of. And that was a great match. So if this continues, if we continue seeing these three men on the main roster or in these pay-per-views, I would be very, very happy because that was great. Moving on, we have the Raw Women's Championship match with Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans. This was actually the opening match of the pay-per-view, so it was the very first match, and this comes in handy because of what happens towards the end of Stomping Grounds, which we will get to. But for this match, Becky Lynch um, actually defeats Lacey Evans via submission to retain the title. The first main roster feud for Evans appears to have come to close following a second straight title defeat. While the you-can't-wrestle chants from the crowd were certainly too harsh, Evans did prove that she still has plenty to grow inside the ring to equal her sensational work on the microphone. Lynch also did well to carry the duo in this match, working from underneath throughout. Evans wiped her armpits with a handkerchief and tossed it onto Lynch in a spot that turned out to be the turning point as Becky Lynch shoved it down Evans's throat Ew. <laughs> to begin her comeback with a mandible claw. After a pair of near falls from Evans late into the match, Lynch applied her disarmor submission to get the instant tap out. So I really liked this match because it just showed how good the women can be if you give them a chance. And, of course, I am a Becky fan. If you've followed me through my Twitter, you know that I'm a Becky fan. And I'm not really a big Lacey Evans fan, mainly because, I don't know, she's kind of new to WWE, in my opinion, but she got the one of the biggest storylines in the company when other women have been waiting in line for years and haven't gotten it. But that's a whole other story. But it just came to show that Lacey Evans is very, very good in the ring. And a lot of people, and I'm not going to lie, including myself, I didn't really know what she was capable of until now. Because you could just see from every single move that both of these women were delivering. And both of these women were trying their very best to entertain the crowd. And they certainly entertained me. And if you can hear the crowd... Um, or the audience during this match, you would also agree with me when I say that the crowd was very engaged with this match. So, kudos to both of them. They did amazing. It's 10 out of 10, A+. <laughs> That's my grade. So, moving on, this doesn't really count as a match, but it's when Paul Heyman met with Baron Corbin backstage. Caught backstage, coming out of Corbin's locker room, Heyman refused to acknowledge why he was speaking with Corbin. Instead, he deflected and noted that Brock Lesnar may or may not be in attendance and may or may not cash in tonight against either the Universal or WWE Champion. That actually led Corbin to come out and drop... 
quote, a sexual innuendo. Not sure why it was sexual, it really wasn't. Uh, before saying that he has already chosen his referee who will be competent and not favor him in the match. Quote, if you keep hanging around my locker room, you may make me think that you're here for something more than an interview, he quipped. So really, this was um, just like a an additive. I, I think this was just meant to get the crowd excited for who the special guest referee for Baron Corbin's match was. And needless to say, um, I think it worked because if you saw or if you heard how the audience was reacting to that segment, you would know because there were a lot of boos when they saw Paul Heyman. There were a lot of boos and some um, things happening in the crowd just showing that they were engaged. So moving on, we have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus The New Day. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn actually defeated The New Day via pinfall. For whatever this match lacked in terms of a proper storyline build, it more than made up for in terms of intensity and electricity. The heels told a full circle story throughout the match that began with the opening seconds with an instant attack on Xavier Woods. And basically, he got four super kicks and a blue thunder bomb from Zayn and a top rope, top rope frog splash, try saying that five times, from Owens with the, oh my god, that's so much. Top rope frog splash. Jeez. From Owens, <laughs> with Woods kicking out of a trio of quick pin attempts. The gradual weakening of Woods paid off late when Big E speared Zayn through the ropes but took himself out of the match in the process. Owens then tripped Woods from the top rope and connected with the stunner to score an emotional pin that saw him and Zayn celebrating wildly. Okay, this was definitely a good match. This had a lot of twists and turns, and as I did say, um, Big E was coming to the aid of Xavier Woods, but it was a little bit too late, because he actually got himself um, injured. Not really injured, but like taken out of the match, if you know what I mean, um, just by helping him. So there was a lot going on, and we already know that Xavier Woods and Big E can deliver. They can deliver in the ring, they can deliver... Um, with promos, whatever you give them, they will do it well. Same with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I love how they're having both of these men team up because they're like the perfect um, heel heel group because they both play it so effortlessly as if it doesn't even take any form of practice, which of course it does. So really, it was great. It was amazing. I would give this one actually a a minus. I would give it an A minus because, of course, there was some stuff that it lacked in terms of, you know, possible finishes and possible outcomes, but honestly, it wasn't a bad match at all. So, an A minus is what I'm going to give that one. Moving on for the United States Championship match with Ricochet versus Samoa Joe. Ricochet actually defeated Samoa Joe via pinfall to win the title. Ricochet's first championship in WWE turned out to be a hard-earned journey paved with stiff strikes and acrobatic selling. This was about as physical as a main roster WWE match typically gets as Joe beat Ricochet from pillar to post until a late rally from the challenger which featured dramatic nearfalls and reversals. As expected, Ricochet was sensational in delivering the high-flying moves to perfectly offset Joe's ground game. Ricochet slipped out of a late coquina clutch attempt by escaping over the top rope. He went on to stay on his feet after being flipped over by a clothesline before delivering his 630 finisher to earn the pin. After the win, Ricochet was given a standing ovation by his peers inside gorilla position, which is actually another um, wrestling show, 
and they actually have social media. I highly recommend. They're awesome. But they even received a hug from NXT Patriarch Triple H. Two matches later, Ricochet was shown backstage getting photos taken with the title when the club approached with AJ Styles, promising to see him Monday night on Raw. This is how you put over a pure babyface who fought through extreme adversity within the storyline in order to secure the clean win late. Okay, so the match itself, I really liked it because you you have men that are both extremely talented and extremely, I want to say, willing to go the extra mile. You know, you have Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's 40 years old. Ricochet's 30 years old. So... You have to take into account that there's a 10-year age gap between these two men. Now, that does mean that the level of, of athleticism is going to be different um, because of the age. But not only that, I really like how WWE gave Ricochet this opportunity with Samoa Joe. Listen, he's fairly new to the main roster as well. He's only been in the main roster for a few months, but they gave him a storyline with Samoa Joe for the U.S. Championship title, which is really huge for him and his career. So I'm really happy for him, and of course he is the new U.S. Champion because he beat uh, Samoa Joe. But with that being said, I'm so excited to see where the storyline is going to go. I'm so excited to see the storyline progress and unfold even more over the weeks. So with that being said, we're going to move on to... The SmackDown Tag Team Championship match with Dan O'Brien and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. So Dan O'Brien and Rowan actually defeated Heavy Machinery via pinfall to retain the titles. This match had no business being this good. Actually, I disagree, CBS Sports. It did. Not only did Brian receive a babyface reaction throughout from his home state, but he combined with Rowan to do a phenomenal job in putting over Otis and Tucker as legitimate title contenders, if not outright stars. All four competitors completely sold out to boot. Even Tucker was attempting moonsaults and top rope splashes outside. <clears throat> Excuse me? Brian, who cut a promo of the year contender during the kickoff about bringing respect and prestige back to the tag team division, was tremendous in terms of his in-ring mannerisms and visual disgust for his opponents. Brian, despite scoring the pinfall on Tucker, did the job in his own way by scoring a sneaky roll-up on Tucker to steal the victory. Okay, so this match was... It was, it was good. Um, for me personally, it was like, I like how Heavy Machinery is getting this chance against Daniel Bryan, of all people. Because Daniel Bryan, to a lot of people, he's a legend. He's a hero. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time to some people. So, it's very nice how Heavy Machinery gets this chance against someone as coveted and well-known as Daniel Bryan. So, with that being said, um, the match itself was not bad at all. But for me personally, it was just missing some stuff. It could have been a little bit better. You know what I mean? Um, and the reason I say that is because there are so many moves that we've seen Dan O'Brien do in the past, um, in his past matches, but he could have used those moves in this match. Not sure why he didn't, but listen, I'm excited to see how this storyline plays off too. Because Heavy Machinery is also very new to the main roster. They're even more new to the main roster than Ricochet is. So with that being said, I like how they're being put to work with Daniel Bryan because this gives them a major push. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. Just the fact that they're wrestling Daniel Bryan, that means a lot, and that's going to do something for their careers. So with that being said, it was a good match. I'm going to give this one a grade of B+. 
B, just because it was missing a little bit. Um, I guess you could say lackluster, but stuff could have stuff could have been a little bit better in terms of moves and um, things like that. But it's okay; it's not that big of a deal, honestly. So moving on, we have the SmackDown Women's Championship match with Bailey versus Lexa Bliss. So Bailey actually defeated Lexa Bliss via pinfall to retain the title. Earlier in the night, Bliss and Nikki Cross, who accompanied the challenger to ringside, were show-talking smack about Bailey backstage. The storyline dislike between the two competitors came through in a stiff match that saw Bailey send Bliss headfirst backwards into the second turnbuckle on a sunset flip bomb, and Bliss later returning the, flav- the favor on the floor. Whew! Bailey went for a suicide dive late, but Bliss pulled Cross in front of her to absorb the impact. Cross made her presence felt once more shortly after, but her attempt to save Bliss was interrupted by the referee. Bliss went on to eat Bailey's knees, wow, <laughs> eat Bailey's knees, with a twisted Bliss attempt from the top rope. Bailey followed with her Bailey to Belly suplex finisher for the 1 2 3. After the match, Bailey pushed down Cross and talked trash on her way up the ramp as the two heels hugged inside the ring. So listen, I happen to disagree with what CBS Sports said about this match. Um, personally, they said that the match was stiff, and I'm going to quote, the storyline dislike between the two competitors came through in a stiff match. I don't think the match was stiff, because just the fact that Nikki Cross got involved in this, it was more just like, well, if Nikki Cross gets involved, what's going to happen next? Because we all know that all three of these women are extremely talented. Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, they are talented. Um... They're they're talented with promos, they're talented with um, matches, they're talented really anything you give them. So it it was nice to see all of these um, ladies working together and delivering such a great match. So that being said, I'm actually going to give this one an A because it was it was great. It was a great match, and actually no, I'm going to give this an A plus because. It was very well done. It was very well done. You can see Bailey was really trying all she could to retain um, Alexa Bliss. You could just see in her eyes the anger that she had. You know, all of these women were really bringing out our emotions and getting us more invested into their storyline. So with that being said, an A-plus goes out to this match. And moving on, we have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. This was a non-title match. So Roman Reigns defeated Drew McIntyre via pinfall. Against all odds, including extensive interference from Shane McMahon, Reigns found a way to persevere. Sounds familiar? Despite the impressive effort put forth by both wrestlers in this physical match, the quote Super Cena style booking that originally saw fans booing the babyface superstar Reigns unfortunately continued in delivering a flat finish. The match began hot as Reigns hit an insane Topcon Hilo onto McIntyre outside before chasing McMahon through the crowd. Big spots followed, including McIntyre hitting a superplex before sending Reigns hard into the announce table with an Alabama slam. Shane prevented a late Reigns pin following a spear by pulling the referee out of the ring by his legs, despite Drew kicking out anyway. From there, McMahon stomped on Reigns and delivered a coast-to-coast before Reigns predictably kicked out of the pin attempt. A late Superman punch and a spear on McIntyre was enough to record the pin, as Reigns tossed McMahon over the top rope in between. After the match, McIntyre was enraged and trashing the backstage area before Shane set a handicap match for the next night on Raw. Okay, so it says here, 
Babyface, Babyface Superstar Reigns unfortunately continued in delivering a flat finish. I don't agree with that. Because Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon delivered so much entertainment in this match, especially when they were chasing each other in the WWE Universe, in the audience. That's crazy, okay? Imagine being in that audience and just seeing Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon running next to you. Like, that's crazy. That's that's enough entertainment for me, <laughs> honestly. So I don't, I do not agree with that. You know, I think both of these men, if it was a flat finish, I think both of these men really made up for it, as they always do. So that being said, CBS Sports, I do not agree with you there, but that's okay if you do. <laughs> All right, moving on from that, we have for the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match. Kofi Kingston stole the win against Dolph Ziggler via door escape to retain the title. A creative finish did its best to make up for a somewhat plotting match as Kingston dove through the ropes and over Ziggler's crawling body to land shoulder-first outside the door on the floor. The fact that WWE was one month removed from, prom from promoting a cage match at Money in the Bank between The Miz and Shane McMahon didn't necessarily help this match feel fresh. Kingston appeared to have the match accidentally won late when Ziggler superkicked him into the open door, which produced a dive from Ziggler to prevent Kings Kingston from crawling out. Interviewed after the match by Charlie Caruso while dancing alongside his New Day brethren, Kingston said he respects the hell out of Ziggler, but followed through on his promise to walk out of stopping grounds as the WWE Champion. Okay, listen. Then again, I also disagree with CBS Sports here as well. Um, they, they said, quote, A creative finished at its best to make up for a somewhat plotting match. I do not agree with that, because first you had Dolphin Kofi climbing up the cage. Then you had... You know, them, then you had Dolph almost um, winning because his legs were literally dang dangling down from the cage. So there were a lot of times in that match alone where I didn't know what was going to happen. So the vast majority of it was, for me, quite unpredictable. So I don't agree with CBS Sports here because, for me, that was a great match. Both of, the, both of those men delivered, and I think it was very well done and well um, organized, if that makes sense. Okay. Going to the very last match of the night for the Universal Championship, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin via pinfall to retain the title. The long-awaited reveal of Corbin's hand-picked referee that has been the centerpiece of WWE television and social media recently was paid off with Lacey Evans donning the stripes. Mere hours after suffering her second consecutive loss to Rollins' girlfriend and Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, before Corbin would would execute his title-winning pin, though, Lynch beelined down to the ring and took her nemesis out of the equation as an official with a beating that continued in a Bexploder on the outside into the barricade. Referee John Cohn, in a callback to the Super Showdown match, took over from there. Corbin attempted another end of days, but the champ countered into a super kick, followed by a stomp to retain his title. Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins celebrated in the ring and then at the top of the ramp to conclude the show. The reveal of Evans was a clever touch, though it was severely telegraphed by Michael Cole's commentary during the show. Of course, if you were listening to commentary, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. And the referee choice itself telegraphed the, the ending of Lynch running in to save the day. So listen, I did say earlier on, um, a couple minutes ago, that Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans, their match was the opening match. And it was... Um, that was only announced about two or three hours before the pay-per-view. So it was kind of like last-minute decision, I guess. But it was very smart of WWE to do that because both of those women had their match have 
quite a long time to take a breather and just get their mind together, and then they can get prepared to both come back out again for the final match. This was one of the best matches I've ever seen, because you had so much going on at once, um, especially with Lacey Evans coming out. There was no idea, many people didn't know that Lacey Evans was going to be the referee. It wasn't even hinted that much. Um, the only the only time people really got a hint about it was when they announced that Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans would have their match first. And then it was like, well, maybe there's a chance now. But with that being said, it was definitely a shock to, towards the crowd and to me as well. Um, the crowd definitely voiced their opinions and they said their, oh my gods, and they said their, oh no's, and their boos. They said all of that. Um, we heard it quite loudly, but when Becky Lynch came out, it was like a breath of fresh air for quite a lot of people, including myself. Listen, I actually made a tweet, and it was like, I think I tweeted out, um, if Becky Lynch doesn't come out and punch this girl, uh, this girl being Lacey Evans, I am going to be so mad. I actually did tweet that out, and it got quite a lot of views, um, and likes, so I was not expecting that. Thank you very much. But really, it was like... It was just a great way to end a great pay-per-view. And I say a great pay-per-view because this was probably the best pay-per-view WWE has ever had. Um, and in my opinion, it was pretty pretty much an equivalent to WrestleMania. If not an equivalent, then a very close match to WrestleMania. Because a lot happened. All of the people on that match card delivered. All of those people proved that they have the... Um, they have the talent and they have the ability to deliver and to make great promos and to make their matches amazing and to get a reaction. They all proved that. So it was a great pay-per-view in my opinion. But moving on from that topic, finally we have to talk about the women's rosters because there's so much wrong in the women's roster that I'll be focusing on in this episode. So just a quick warning to maybe turn down the volume a little bit because I am going to get agitated here. I can just feel it. So that being said, I'm going to start with this topic, okay? On Raw this week, we saw Kofi Kingston have a match against Kevin Owens, and that match was at least 10 minutes long. Keep in mind that this was just a normal one-on-one -on -one match. It wasn't a Falls 2 out of 3 match. It wasn't a tag match. It was a one-on-one -on -one match. But on SmackDown Live the next night, we saw Sonya Deville versus Ember Moon. That match was one minute long. Are you kidding me? But whatever, okay. That match was one minute long. Both of those women are extremely talented and have the ability to deliver and entertain during a match or a promo, but this is just this is just another circumstance where the women are being used for the wrong reasons. They're not being utilized correctly whatsoever. And you know, we already know how talented the women's roster is. Count Naomi, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, so many more, right? But as a woman myself, and a WWE fan, I am not going to sit here and watch this happen month after month. Not at all. Because this is what I have to say, right? How come women work harder than men, and I, and I mean this in the most kind way possible, but wrestling has always been a male-dominated sport. That means women have to work ten times harder to make their voices heard and to actually get a reaction, right? So how come these women are working harder, but they're still not getting matches that are 10 minutes long? 
We all know these women are capable of cutting great promos, of getting emotions out of the crowd. We all know. We saw it in that Ronda Rousey feud with Becky Lynch, remember? You saw how social media went insane and so many people were going crazy over that, including myself. We know that the women are capable of doing it, but why aren't they letting them do it? Why are they holding them back? And you know what? I want to just take a moment. Every single woman, every single girl listening to this right now, take a moment and think. We are worth it. We are talented. We are maybe even more talented than men, right? But why aren't the women getting the chances that they deserve? Why? Are they coming short on something? Do they not have what it takes? Here's what I have to say, right? If just a couple of years ago during the Divas division, um, way back when there was only a Divas champion, uh, a Divas championship, th- we all made the hashtag, hashtag give Divas a chance. Remember that? That hashtag made a difference. That hashtag promoted change. But what's stopping us from doing the same thing now? Why aren't we doing anything about this? Why are we just letting this happen? Why are we just letting the authority take over like this? The women deserve more. The women deserve better. They always have. Always. And there are so many more instances, not just this match with Sony Deville versus Ember Moon. There's so many circumstances where women have shorter matches than men. So many more. And I could name a few more, but I don't think I have to because I think I've already got my point across. Here's what I have to say, right? If you have a podcast yourself, please discuss this. Please bring this back into perspective and talk about this. Engage your listeners and talk about this because this is something that is important and this is something that is underrated to a lot of people. But women deserve better. We all know it and you cannot doubt it because you know it. Women deserve so much more than they're getting. And if you don't have a podcast, but you have a Twitter, if you have an Instagram, if you have a Facebook, if you have anything of that sort, make a post, make a tweet, make a hashtag, tag the authority, tag WWE, tag some of the female wrestlers, you know, make a change. Because we have more power than we think we do. It's not just the authority that has the power. It's us, too. Because, listen, the WWE universe is what made WWE. The WWE universe is what can change the WWE. And it takes a village to make one change. But here's one thing I know. Even though it takes a village to make one change, the wrestling community is the best village I've ever been in. Because you guys are so supportive and so kind that I'm so happy I I came. I'm so happy you guys were kind enough to include me. But with that being said, let's all work together and stop this. Let's all work together and end this because we can. And I might sound like a crazy person right now speaking into a mic about this, being all agitated. I get it. But we can change this. We can. You just have to be willing to do it. Make a tweet, make a post, do whatever you have to do. But just do something. Don't just sit there and watch it every single week. Do something. 
But okay, with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode by saying thank you very much for listening every single Friday. As always, it means so much to me. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for your shares. It means quite a lot. And just remember, today's show is brought to you by Audible. And Audible is offering you guys three free audiobooks just by getting a free trial membership.